Well, we continue our series that I've been working on this year in the Psalms. And Pastor Rick last week uh, preached on a Psalm of Repentance from David. And today, as Rick read in the Forgiveness of Sins uh, today following the Confession, we, we enter into Psalm 103, uh, a prayer that, that talks to us about the forgiveness that we have in God. So let us hear the word of our Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made, he remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in, in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. There is therefore now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life of, in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And to deal with sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A number of years ago, Bill Henry died. Bill Henry lived in Lakeland, Florida. He was 83 years old, and everyone who knew Bill, of course, knew about his baseball career. For 16 years, he played in the major leagues for the Cincinnati Reds. He was in the 1961 World Series, and he was an all-star in 1960. 
He loved to tell his friends about the baseball stories and how he was friends with some of the greats of his era. And as with all flesh, he died and the Associated Press ran his obituary. And can you imagine the surprise of Bill Henry in Texas who picked up the paper to learn that he had died? Now this was the real Bill Henry, the real baseball player, the real 1960 all-star who read that he had died in Florida. Now I used to live in Florida and I realized that most people do die in Florida. <laughs> but Bill Henry, the baseball player, didn't die in Florida. Long story short, the Bill Henry in Florida had been pretending. Pretending for decades that he had been Bill Henry, the baseball player. No one knows why, not even his wife. You know, sometimes we make ourselves out to be something that we aren't. A 70-year-old man came to the pastor to get something off of his chest. The week before, he had gone with his wife of 45 years to the Social Security office to sign her up for Social Security. And she was 65, and of course, after a battery of questions, she was asked whether or not she had ever been married before. And she said, yes which was news to her husband. It can be a big surprise what we sometimes make ourselves out to be. We play pretend very well. This morning I want us to consider what we might be pretending to be. It is one of the great games of the human experience, the game of pretend. We learned it when we were children, didn't we? With my friends, we used to play, the, play pretend that we were being baseball players playing in Yankee Stadium. Now this is before I was converted to being a Red Sox fan. In Little League, I played third base. In Little League, I played third base and I pitched. And whenever I did, I pretended that I was Greg Nettles and Ron Guidry. And back in 1978, every Little League pitcher tried to emulate Ron Guidry's famous motion and dove for ground balls down the line like Greg Nettles. You know what I'm talking about. We got an early start at this game of pretend. And of course, as we get older, we don't stop playing pretend. To one degree or another, we all play this game, not this childish admiration, but perhaps with who we are. Who are you pretending to be? Now, I'm not suggesting that you are living some kind of a double life, passing yourself off to be somebody that you aren't. But there is this chance that you are playing pretend. Is there someone you're pretending to be that you really aren't? We don't like who we see in the mirror, so we become somebody else. We try to make ourselves into the mold of a person that, that I want to be, all sorts of pretending. Some of us are pretending to have our act together. Some of us are pretending to be better than we are. Some of us are pretending to be more secure than we are. Some of us are pretending to be more caring than we are. Some are pretending to know more than we do. Some are pretending to look differently than we really do. Some are pretending to be happier than we really are. No harm, we say to ourselves, we're just pretending, just a little. Sometimes how we get along in life, isn't it? C.S. Lewis reminds us we mortals tend to be turning into the thing that we are pretending to be. The good guy in the neighborhood turns into the hard guy at work and all of a sudden becomes the hard guy in the neighborhood. 
An optimistic person hangs out with cynical friends and all of a sudden becomes a little bit cynical. The middle class guy moves into the upper class neighborhood and pretends that he's upper class and all of a sudden he looks down on middle class friends. You see, the thing about pretending is that sooner or later we become a slave to our pretending. And when you become a slave to your pretending, you begin to lose who you really are. And maybe who God created you to be. We're on a treadmill that we can't get off. We pretend to like what we're doing or where we are or how we are going about life, but do we? Can we get off the track? And we feel condemned. Condemned to violate the very nature of who we are. And I wonder if that is in part what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he talks about condemnation. Condemnation of sin. At the very root, sin is trying to be something other than a child of God. We condemn ourselves when we don't hold on to our identity as children of God. Paul says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ has set us free from having to play pretend, knowing that we are loved by God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. I don't need to be anybody different. Without Christ, we are condemned to think that to be approved, we have to become something different from what we really are. And Paul says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The psalmist says it a little bit differently. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Did you know that God loves you right where you are? Not where you think you need to be, not where you want to somehow feel like you have to change yourself to be better. As high as the heavens are above the earth, the psalmist said, so great is God's love for you. We are set free to be the very thing that God created us to be. You know, there are a lot of voices out there right now telling you all the things that you cannot be. Lots of people probably pigeonhole you into someone that they want you to be. Maybe it's your parents or your boss or your spouse or your children or your teachers. They've all got this course that they want you to run, a track that you're condemned to, and Paul says, no, you're not condemned. In the spirit of God, we are set free to be and do the very thing that God created us to be. And right now, by virtue of your creation and by virtue of God's spirit, you are free to live into the very power that God is giving you. Because each one of us is a child of God. Chances are there is some part of your life that has been imprisoned by the demands and expectations of other people. And you've been pretending to be that person to the point of giving yourself away. But in the kingdom of God, we don't have to give ourselves away. In Norton Juster's childhood classic, The Phantom Tollbooth, there's a character named Milo who sets on a quest to rescue an exiled princess. And this quest means contesting with great forces and great monsters and 
When he returns with the rescued princess, the king says, oh, so many things are possible, just so long as you don't know they're impossible. So many things are possible, as long as you know that they're not impossible. Friends, what we can do is found in the very fabric of the being that God has given to us. Frederick Douglass, the great 19th century African-American voice of conscience, reflected on his life of slavery and his long desire to live a different life until he finally said, I prayed 20 years but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. What has God called you to do? What will you do to bring an end to your pretending? What will you do to surrender yourself to the call of God in Christ Jesus? What will you do to allow the spirit to free you to become something that maybe you thought it was impossible to be? Jim Smith was a professor of fisheries and wildlife in the University of Minnesota. He received a grant for his family to go to Nepal and do, do some research. And when he was in Nepal, he and his little four-year-old boy, Alex, went out to the field to do some work. And Alex wandered away a little bit, and when Jim looked up, he saw Alex, but he also saw what would be the worst sight for any parent. He saw a huge rhinoceros. And at that very moment, the huge rhinoceros was noticing Alex, and it began to charge. Jim Smith was watching this several-ton rhino charging his little four-year-old boy. Now, the day before, if you had have asked Jim Smith whether or not he had it within himself to go one-on-one -on -one with a rhino, chances are he would have said no. But when a rhino was charging your four-year-old boy, Jim did what was in his power to do. He took his place in between the rhino and his boy and with his oblivious boy in the background, unaware of what was going on, Jim leapt onto the speeding rhino's head and wrestled it to the ground. He was gored 14 times and lived. There is nothing that is impossible when you're a father with your boy being charged by a rhino. What you can do is often a matter of what you will do. U.S. wrestler Helen Morales beat Sayori Yoshida in the 2016 Olympics. Most people said that that was a feat that was going to be impossible, and the next day, when she was asked whether or not she was bothered by not getting enough press time, because there were a lot of other things happening at the Olympics and women's wrestling wasn't that important, apparently, she said, I didn't come here to win a gold medal for press time. I didn't come here to win a gold medal in order to find something within myself or to find peace within myself. I found myself worth before I stepped onto the mat. And yesterday was about stepping onto the mat and wrestling to the best of my ability and taking joy in what I do. I found myself worth before stepping onto the mat. The good news, the gospel, 
There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You are loved for exactly who you are. And that's the power. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. As far as the east is from the west, so far God removes transgressions from us. Do you know that? The Spirit of God has set you free. You're not confined to what you once were. So maybe you've got a rhinoceros that you need to tackle. Maybe you've got a God-like mission you need to perform, or maybe you've got an addiction to get over, or a responsibility to to own, or a tough relationship to lean into. C.S. Lewis said, a known captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. A known captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. And sometimes the most unfamiliar freedom is the freedom to be who God created each one of us to be. For to set our mind on the spirit is life. Let us live into that life that God created for us. Amen.